0: You are listening to the Devoted Women's Podcast. This teaching is meant to be listened to after having completed the lesson in your workbook. We hope this teaching equips, encourages, and empowers you. Grace and peace. everyone. Here we are. This is the introduction to the book of Acts. So if you were with us on night one, this is the portion that we didn't get to, and we apologize for that. But this information is so important to to get under your belt as you approach the study. So I pray that you have taken the time to come and sit and listen. I'm gonna do my very best to make this quick. Um, There's lots of good information, so here we go. So if you turn to your book to week one, the introduction you're going to see note pages um, on page 11 and then there's a couple other note pages if you have run over notes that you want to take Um, but we're going to get going and opening the the envelope on the book of acts right we're going to find out who wrote the book of Acts, whom it was written to. We're going to find out when it was written, in what style it was written, and what the central themes of the book of Acts are. So we have to take the time to get the right context and the setting for the book before we can be successful at diving into its its contents and comprehending them rightly. So Like I said, we're gonna take the time to answer those five questions. And the reality is that just looking at this page, most of us won't actually be able to answer them just by reading the book of Acts itself. So we need a little help to get going to understand better. Now, this information that I'm giving you is all derived from um, looking at other books of the Bible. And not gonna lie, like I used, other people's resources of giving us an introduction to help me put this one together, but they did so by looking at biblical history and looking at um, timelines and different texts and everything to um, compile this information for us. So here we go. Acts is an interesting book because it is actually the continuation of another book, or writing as we read um, in Acts 1-1. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what was that first book? What was that first book that the author pinned? It was the Gospel of Luke. So ding, 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 here's our author who wrote the book of Acts. It is Luke. Luke and he was a disciple he was not an apostle just to clear that up in case you did not know that Luke is not an apostle he is a, he is a disciple and we're actually going to be clarifying what the difference between those two things are next week So be looking forward to that, or this week rather, as you're doing your homework, and then um, in the teaching time, I, I will hope I clear that up for you some more. So if you compare the first few verses of each of his writings, first the Gospel of Luke, and then here the book of Acts, you're going to find that the author is most definitely the same, and he wrote both of the letters to the same person Um, and in Luke we see that he calls him the most excellent Theophilus and and here in the book of Acts he's writing to O Theophilus. So that answers number one and two for us. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you a little bit more about who Luke was as um we find out from Colossians 4.14, um, 2 Timothy 4.11, and Philemon verse 24, that he was also a physician that he was a fellow worker so he's a christian he's a believer and then he is also specifically a traveling companion of paul the apostle so luke himself was not a chosen apostle like i said he was merely a believer and we're going to discuss more on that next week so we are unsure if luke was a gentile or a jew um, but many scholars speculate that he was a Jew because of his extensive knowledge of the Septuagint and the Septuagint is a fancy way of saying the Greek version of the old Testament. But again, we're not sure that Luke was either one, but like I said, they speculate and lean more heavily towards him being Jewish. So, um, um, if we read Luke 1, 1 through 1-4, we can find the reason why Luke felt the call to put the extensive effort into writing both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. I'm going to read it for us now. Verses 1-4 through 4 of Luke. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, it seemed good to Luke also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke, a physician, somebody who is intelligent and, and as you read his work of Luke and, and here in the book of Acts, you'll see that this man has a way with words and he has extreme attention to detail. And he did this so that Theophilus, this person he's writing to, can have an orderly account of what took place. So that he might have certainty concerning the things that he's already been taught about Jesus, right? So thank you, Luke, right? For that hard work that he did and and all the time and effort that he put in here that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I just, I find myself filled with gratitude where that's concerned. So in Acts 1 One, we read in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so this wording, if he dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, it suggests that Acts is actually about what Jesus continued to do and teach. And as you're going to read this week in your homework is that, Jesus actually ascends back to heaven. So how does Jesus continue to do and teach anything if he wasn't actually there? Well, it was through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to read um, in a couple weeks in week 3 homework, I believe, in Acts chapter 2 that God pours out his Holy Spirit on believers, just as he promised to do. And and this is the spirit of Jesus. This is the one who empowered Jesus as he was here, too. And so the Holy Spirit then came to work through all believers. And so then we get a continuation of what God was doing through his spirit. It's So, so beautiful. And so we go on to see that um, where Jesus was the main character in all of the Gospels, then it's his spirit who is still the main character in the book of Acts all the way through the rest of the Bible, through the rest of the New Testament. So as we're studying and we're marking the text looking for the work of the Holy Spirit, we should be asking ourselves, what can I learn about the third person of the Trinity? And why does the Holy Spirit matter? Why does the Holy Spirit matter? So just in case you're unfamiliar with the Trinity whenever we say that, what we're referring to is the the fact that God is three and one. He is Father, He is Son, and He is Spirit, all distinctly and separately, but all at the same time unified and one and working together. Now that is very confusing. And if that's something that you struggle with understanding, it's okay. It's okay. To some degree, it is supposed to um, rattle us a little bit, I can think, because we can't comprehend God. He is incomprehensible. So don't get caught up on the fact that you struggle with the Trinity. If you would like some help understanding that and you feel like you do need some some more help there, get with us. We have a really good little book or we can even just help to um, have a conversation to help you understand. So um Again, as we're looking through the text, what can I learn about the third person of the Trinity, who is the Holy Spirit, and why does He matter? What is He here to do? those are things we should be asking ourselves. So we can ask God also, as we're reading through, to right our thinking, to clear up any wrong thinking that we have concerning who the Spirit is, okay? The Holy Spirit is not just a force like in Star Wars that, that we conjure to be wielded, or or, and He's not just something that we feel, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person, and albeit he's unseen, he's a person nonetheless, which means there's a relationship to be had there. And at the point of salvation, whenever you bow your life and give your yourself to Jesus and, and admit that he is Lord and Savior of your life and you repent of your sins, you receive the Holy Spirit. God pours out his Holy Spirit on you. And maybe that's not something you knew, but you have God dwelling within you and he wants a relationship with you because he is present and he is near and he loves you, okay? And he wants you to talk with him. He wants you to open up your Bible and he wants you to ask him for help and understanding. He is amazing and a lot of us neglect him, we neglect the third person of the Trinity. So we can pray and ask God to develop and increase our love for His Spirit within us. So the book is titled, um, the book of Acts is often titled the Acts of the Apostles, but honestly, a better title would probably be the continuing acts of Jesus. So Jesus came and did a whole bunch of stuff and then guess what? He kept on doing stuff through his spirit. So that would probably be a better name just even to, um, write your thinking where that is concerned. Um. It's not just a whole bunch of stuff of what some some more people came along and did. It's more stuff about what God came and did, right? So the continuing acts of Jesus they're the continuing acts of the Holy Spirit. So one fun note um, before we move on to number three um, on this character of Theophilus. So maybe you want to write this note under number two where we're talking about Theophilus is that... We're not given any other scriptural reference to Theophilus here, except for in the, the gospel of Luke. And we don't learn any more about him as a person. We don't know what his status was. We don't know what he did. We don't know where he lived, but we know Luke wrote to him. What we do know is that the name Theophilus means lover of God. So Theophilus could have been a particular person, In a particular church somewhere that Luke was writing to or it is just a symbolic name to represent all believers. So whether Luke was writing to somebody particular in mind, which is a possibility. We can also look at this, and and we can consider ourselves theophilus. We can consider ourselves a lover of God, and know that this book was written for you and I as well. If you are a lover of God, isn't that so beautiful? I just thought that was so so very neat. Um, moving on to number three, when was the book written? Um, It's speculated that it was written in the mid-60s. So AD 64 or 65 is what most scholars like to lean into as far as narrowing down the possibilities. Um, The book of Acts actually covers the time period of about AD 32 through 62. So it picks up where Jesus was resurrected, right? And then he... um, He walked among the believers, right? It picks up from that point and Luke records all the details from the time after that resurrection and ascension of Jesus that we're going to see right there in chapter one in Acts, all the way up until Paul's house arrest in Rome in AD 62, while Paul was awaiting trial before Caesar. So one key component to how they figure out the date of this book is that it lacks any mention of the destruction of the temple in AD 70, which was a really, really big deal um, at the time. It was for the temple to be destroyed was a huge historical marker. And generally, if that had taken place, we see that it's mentioned, We see that it's mentioned, and so then we can kind of um, put a timeline marker on some of these books in the Bible or even writings outside of the Bible um, that help us to understand church history, too. They're not the Bible, and we don't see them as Holy Scripture, but we can look at um, other documents and things outside of Scripture to help us understand um, some historical things, which are very, very important whenever it comes to um, knowing. Um, knowing God's word and knowing um, our history as Christians, it's very important and often not emphasized. So the destruction of the temple wasn't mentioned. And also there was also no mention of Paul's death. And they speculate that Paul was martyred anywhere from between AD 64 and 67. So it was definitely pinned before AD 70 and before AD um before Paul would have been martyred in that time span of years that they think that occurred in as far as AD 64 and 67. So that's some good interesting information. Moving on to number four, in what style is this book written? The genre of the book of Acts is a historical narrative. It's a historical narrative. So this book has a historian's interest. It wants to tell us what we most need to know and what actually happened according to who Luke was around and who also were eyewitnesses and it's doing its very best attempt to give us an eyewitness account of what took place in this time that um, Luke is recalling what was happen- happening. So when it comes to reading historical narratives in the Bible, we need to put aside our modern notions that history is recorded with an unbiased perspective, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever read a history book, but um, there is no history book that is free of bias. Whenever um, somebody goes to pin history, they're writing what they think is most important and what needs to be known. And that's exactly what Luke was doing and, and every other historical narrative text that we come across in the Bible. And because Acts is a historical narrative, it is descriptive of what actually took place and it is not prescriptive. Historical narratives are descriptive, not prescriptive. So we're not going to find any commands in the book of Acts, but rather we're going to see plenty of patterns of wisdom um, of the early church that we can follow as believers. We're going to see um, best practices, if you will. We're not actually going to be told to do anything or not do anything in the book of Acts, but rather we can look at the picture of what was going on and see the work of God and see the commands of God. And and then we can go through that work of comprehension, interpretation and application and arrive at um, how we can best apply this text to our lives. So moving on to number five, what are the central themes? One of the greatest things we're going to see, like I've already talked about um, where we're talking about the, um, the map, marking your map and looking at the spread of the gospel. One of the things that we're going to read and we're going to see, and that is a central theme is that worldwide spread of the gospel. We're going to see that the good news of Jesus, the gospel is both for the Jew and And the Gentile. We're going to see the providence of God. Sovereignly guiding the early Christians. And we're going to see the function of the Holy Spirit. And what he is doing. We're going to see... um, That the witness of the Holy Spirit, it includes all kinds of people. It's not limited to a particular people in a particular place of a particular race. That the gospel is for everyone. We're going to see how God guides the church. Church's witness. Those who are taking the message about Jesus. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit guides them to where they need to go. We're going to see how um, God's witnesses must be prepared to suffer and even die over their testimony. We're going to see that take place. We're going to see how the, the Holy Spirit empowers these witnesses who are taking this message. We're going to see how effective witness demands unity in the church and how Jesus' resurrection is a key part of the witness. We can't have the good news without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to see how the witness of the gospel calls for a response that it requires whoever is receiving this good news to repent of their sins. And that repentance, that acceptance of Christ's work on the cross, it brings forgiveness of sins. It makes one righteous before God. We're going to get to see these things in the book of Acts. We're going to get to see that these early church, the early church that God formed here in Acts, these Christians, these believers, that they continue the ministry that Christ began and that their witness brings great results. Just like I was saying in our, in the first part of this is that Peter preached and 3,000 were saved in one day. The power of the gospel is incredible. And man, those are just some of the highlights of what we're gonna get to look at in Acts. And we are so excited that you have made this commitment. And honestly, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you that you've registered. Thank you that you showed up. Maybe you missed. We're looking forward to when we do get to see your face in your chair at the place that God has prepared for you on Monday nights. I say thank you because you're taking your part in witnessing seriously so that we can do our part in building the kingdom of God. And so thank you. I am grateful. I'm grateful that you are taking responsibility, um, to answer the call of God on your life to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we are so, so looking forward to diving in deeper with you. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We are here. We're available. Um, you can always reach us directly, as directors. You can email bedevotedwomen at gmail.com. Um, and you should have your small group facilitators numbers. Um, don't don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to reach out. Don't let um, your questions get in the way of you showing up to um, Monday nights and, and all the goodness that God has prepared for you there. So we'll see you next Monday. Bye-bye.